In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's January 14th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 24 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from the Knit One Geek 2 podcasting igloo this week. We is frozen. Yes. Like, we is cold. We finally got snow! Damn, did we get snow. (laughs) Damn. And it's cold. And I'm whining. But I have hot chocolate. The tech monkey makes a damn good hot chocolate. Yep. So I am slowly defrosting. After trekking through the frozen wasteland to Maggie's house. I have not set foot outside all day. Damn you. Yeah, I know. And (laughs) there were occasional times today when I thought, you know, maybe I should take the little boy outside to burn off some... No. Burn off some energy? No. That's too much work. You gotta get all the clothes on. It's way too cold out there. It's not a fun cold. It's a cold. Cold. Bitter cold. Windy cold. I have to keep reminding myself that I need to leave extra time. Not only extra time now to put on all my crap before I get out the door, because I'm still getting used to that, but also leave extra time to get to the bus because I have to carefully pick my way down the frozen sheet that is my street. Yeah, that's true too. You can't just walk blithely down the sidewalks anymore. Yeah, I can't... Well, there are no sidewalks on my street to begin with. Tis true, tis true. <laughs> but of course, the cold means that woolly things are that much more in demand. In vogue, in fashion, and in need. So what have you been knitting this week? I has, on my feet, finished with end sewn in Maiva socks. This is by Ooh. Stephanie Bold, and they are from Knitty. They are on my feet. And, this and they is look the, really good. This is the fingering yarn that I got from CJ. I keep wanting to call it Purpleplex. <laughs> but it's perplex. Yes. And it's in the fairy dust. Yeah, very light. Very light sort of It is a light. purple. Yeah. Sort of a lavendery. I am happy with them. I can see why. They're awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm really happy with them. These are the ones that we mentioned a few weeks ago that have, like, the Celtic cable that goes along the top of the foot and then sort of splits in two and goes along the side of the foot. It almost implies that you're wearing a brocade slipper. Yeah, and they do look really cool. And this... Yarn is very fine, so... Yeah, it was like a three-ply fingering. Yeah, except a very fine three-plies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> considering the size of my feet, and I was using the smallest needle... Yeah, it was more like a heavy lace weight, really. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I need it. I've got like five and a half feet. No, wait a minute, that sounded wrong. You have size five and a half <laughs> yes, feet. Yes, I have size five and a half feet. And I know that puts me, like, at Cinderella range. Yeah. Teeny tiny feet. And yes... In the Payless, my shoes right sit right next to these, you know, the shoes that have Barbie and Popples on the sides. And that light up. And that light up. When you take a step. <sighs> Damn it, I would actually love some of those. But anyways. Yeah. Yeah, for one of the reasons I've had a problem knitting socks for myself so much is because I keep knitting for your average foot, I suppose, via the pattern. And my foot is no average. My foot, yeah. is, my foot is weenier than that. So... Well, we both have the same problem. Our feet are not average. We just swing to either ends of the spectrum. Your Anyways. feet are small, my feet are big. So the only thing left for me to work on right now is the linen stitch scarf, mm-hmm. which I haven't really been working on much this week because I wanted to get these socks done. Yeah. And because these socks are charted from toe to cuff. But, now I will be honest about this. 
I have one UFO. Mm-hmm. It has been a UFO for a little over a year. Take me to your projects. Yeah, but it is the second sock, but I am waiting for the Rav Olympics to do it. Be- okay. Because it is a man's size knee-high. Wow. Yeah, I think that second sock on its own would be a Rav Olympics product. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for the Rav Olympics to do that. I still have the, the yarn to match and everything else like that. With that in mind, the only thing I'm working on right now is the linen stitch scarf. I have made my choice for my, my Madeline Tosh sweater. Mm-hmm. But damn it, I don't have the needles. That's a slight problem. So you know what? I need to get me some needles. Order time! It's now, it's now time to cash in Mom's Secret Santa gift. <laughs> I'm gonna go and get some of the cool needles. I'm gonna join the cool club. If I have to buy my way into it. <laughs> yep, and that's the knitter's dreams that you are going to be getting? Indeed it is. It's the dreams, right? Not the Novas, which are the metal ones? It's the dreams. Yep. You yeah. prefer the wood? I care. <laughs> oh, Jesus. As long as the wood is nice and polished. And hard. I'm sure you can pull it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what the hell got put into our hot chocolate? Drink! We could probably create a drinking game for this podcast. Probably. Okay, so, yes. Of course you'd be on the floor. I prefer the dreams, the color, the colored wood needles. Yeah. And I've heard amazing things about them from everybody who's used them. I, I don't feel any trepidation using my gift certificate to get these. Oh, I can see why not. <laughs> Is that all for you? I think so. That's all for me. Okay, so my knitting this week. I have been working on basically two things. The Strider cowl that I mentioned last time. Well, it's getting quite a bit longer. It is. I haven't actually measured it but I'd say it's about eight inches, which I think is about the length of the smaller version of it. Like the one for people who just want something around their neck. I'm, of course, doing the big-ass version that you pull over your head. Ah, thank you. Maggie has just handed me a ruler. Yeah, so I was very optimistic. Uh, it's more like six, six inches. Obviously, that was wishful thinking. Like, I could maybe block it to seven, but... Uh, Since we're talking about measurements and stuff. Yeah, it's not the size that matters. Yeah, I, I'm almost done the first ball of yarn. I will show Maggie exactly how big it is. It's like clementine sized. Yeah, it is. So we'll see how much I get out of that. It would be really nice if I could have pretty much an entire skein left over so I could do matching mittens, but we will see. Yeah, because you wanted to, that's supposed to go up into the hood, right? Yeah, the hood version is supposed to be like 18 inches. So I don't think I will quite, I think I'm going to have to go into that third skein. Yeah. Now at that point, I'll just see how much I have left and then see if I can maybe do mittens out of that. Probably. I probably could. I have no concept of really like how much worsted weight yarn I really need for mittens and things like that. At the very least, I could always, I can definitely do fingerless gloves. Yeah. I've seen fingerless gloves come out of very, very little yarn. Yeah, because they really don't need much yarn. And this is such a pretty yarn. Go fig, it's teal. Yeah, well. And just as a reminder, I forget when the last time I said it what what this was. This is the Tannis Fiber Arts Green Label Aran weight in the teal colorway. It's actually a sort of a semi-solid. It's got teal and dark blue and sort of varying colors of greenish blue in it. It's so pretty. And I think I mentioned last week the it's the Strider Cowl. It's by Susan Pandorf, part of her Fellowship of the Rings collection. And which should actually make a nice Head covering for when Hobbit actually comes out later. <laughs> if I don't make a dwarven battle bonnet. Oh my god. Oh my god. I just got this mental image. Like, oh, for, oh, for once for once, it's you getting the mental images instead of me. A hat with little pointy ears and lots of curly hair like a hobbit. Oh god, a hat. A hobbit, <laughs> a hobbit hat is yeah, what you're saying. It's basically like part wig, part hat. Would that not be awesome? 
Oh my god. But yes, and then the other thing I am working on, and which I've been working on quite a bit on the bus, are the plain stockinette socks out of yarn that I dyed using leftover dye from the Postmaster's stole. I have passed the heel. Is it, this is the first sock. Yep, this is the first sock, and I am done the gusset too, and as a little side note, this time, just, you know, for shits and giggles, I decided to do the gusset decreases on the bottom of the foot, sort of like the bottom of the gusset. All right. So, okay, I'm showing Maggie this. Okay, you know how when you're doing a top-down sock and you're doing a flap heel, usually you decrease at the gusset starting around where the ankle bone is? Yes. And then you go down the top of the foot. Yes. What I did is oh, I started I making. Oh, I see. See, see, see. I started making the decreases on either side of the heel. Right. After I had turned the heel, and it's just two straight lines on the bottom of the foot. Do you do you like it better? I don't know if I like it better. You know, it. I just decided. Ah, what the hell? I'll do it this way. Give it a try. Yeah. Like I said, for shits and giggles. You know what? Speaking of which, I need to make some vanilla socks. Yes, now you that, do. Now, because if. The linen stitch scarf is the only thing I have on the needles right now. Mm-hmm. That is not going places with me. No. So I'll be casting on some vanilla That's the louette that you got a while yes, ago. Yes, that's the louette I got a while ago that I tried knitting several times. Yes, you were trying the toe-up socks. And it just wasn't working at the time. Yeah. But maybe with two pairs under my belt, louette will find me worthy. But yes, and then the other thing is, since you mentioned that webs order, I believe I will finally be making a decision about what color... Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my Watson sweater in. Okie dokie. And getting the yarn for that. Because I wants me a Watson sweater. I wants me a Watson, but if I can steal his sweater, that would be good too. <laughs> you know, I bet if he took that sweater off. All right, well, there's a start right there. But if he took it <laughs> if he took it off from the set and held it up aloft on, you know, a live streaming site and said, I will auction this off for charity, he would make money. Oh, hell yes. I imagine there'd be a lot of people wanting that sweater. But yes, I really want to start my Watson sweater sometime soon. Okay. If we don't decide to do some sort of knit along. Well, I'm sure you, sort of I'm sure you could hold your own with the knit along and the Watson sweater. <laughs> True. I'm sure you could. So anyway, speaking of knit alongs, I hope you guys have been thinking about would you like to do it? We suggested a uh, sock pattern last week, the elementary Watson socks, mm-hmm. or a pet because it was taken from the BBC Sherlock Watson sweater as inspiration from. And if you don't want to do socks, you could take the cables and patterns from the idea and use it in whatever you like. So we just want to give you guys a nudge and see what you think about it. Yeah, and really, like, as we have said before, there's really nothing stopping us from doing more than one knit along. Yeah. So we could even, let's say, at the end of the month, we will just decide on something. Sure. And we'll just do, do it. We'll Instead do of being like, well, we could do this, or we could do this, or, well, you know, if we don't do it this time, we can always do it yeah. the next time. Because we have, what, we have a, a, a Hobbit movie event coming up. Yeah. Oh. Avengers in May. Avengers, oh my god, Avengers, we have the RAV Olympics. Yes, in <laughs> July. Yeah, crap, there's a lot of things we could knit for, with, and around. My god, 2000- Sherlock also in May. Anyway. Sort of. <laughs> my god, those cheekbones. Oh, God. Uh, anyways. That coat. And just as a side note, I saw it. I'm trying to remember where I saw it. I believe that BBC Sherlock is now influencing runway fashion because y- really? you're just grinning from ear to ear now. <laughs> because, Would I complain about more guys dressing like Sherlock? Oh, hell no. Because I saw it was a split image. One of, obviously, Cumberbatch dressed in his Sherlock get up with the coat and the scarf and everything. Yeah. And a man walking down the runway 
with big coat and the scarf in a color worn the way he does. Striding, you know, with the collar turned up and striding down the runway. And I'm like, yeah, that does look kind of, yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't mind that at all. Oh, me neither. Now all they need to do is bring back the kilt. Oh, oh God. Don't do that to me. Just my opinion. The images that flood my brain threaten to, like, derail the rest of this podcast. Hey, has anybody seen Cumberbatch in the kilt? Has he ever worn Oh, up? sweet Jesus God. Maggie, don't do that so- to me. Somebody find that for me, please. I'll bake you cookies or something. <laughs> I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> you can have your bunk. I want Cumberbatch. I want him in my bunk. No. <laughs> With the kilt. It was my idea, damn it. He wouldn't even have to remove it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. Anyway, yes. Um. Okay, so that's the knitting I've been doing this week. Yeah, that, that's been the penalty box, right? Yeah. We're both soundly in the penalty box for a while. <laughs> okay, so moving on to Geek Squee. Yes. <laughs> Before something else happens. Oh, God, yes. So actually thinking of TV shows and things like that, there's going to be a live-action Star Wars TV show eventually. When, do, when does eventually mean? At some point. Okay. Basically, Lucasfilm has said... Lucasfilm has said they apparently have, like, 50 hours of episodes written for this show but they're holding off actually making it because they want to do it right and i'm making finger quotes because i believe that was the actual statement by which they mean with really good special effects but really good special effects are still too expensive for the tv market really like you can do you can spend the money when you're making a big movie that will then make millions at the box office right and but you, when it's a TV show and it's more spread out and the budget just isn't there as much, then... No, I, yeah, I can see. Yeah, they really don't... They can't justify spending that much on... Do we know how long they've been working on this project? Or on these scripts? Asking me the hard question. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> it might have mentioned it in the article, but I didn't happen to write that down. I'm, I'm just wondering <laughs> if Lucasfilms has... As, you know, this... I think with, with 50 hours of episodes written, I think they would have had to have been working on this for a while. So guys, when do you think we're going to release this? Uh, 2018. Let's aim for 2018. Yeah, I don't know, actually. They, I find should, that... they should have the technology by then. Yeah, I find that kind of interesting, actually, because, you know, thinking if they have that much written, I mean, they have to have paid someone yeah. to write all those episodes. Yeah. So it seems... Counter productive yeah it seems kind of weird that they pay someone to to be writing so much stuff and still not have an outlet or yeah a really good idea it. of yeah. when it's actually going to come out or yeah. when it might be feasible to do it i don't know well you never know how pr things spin it either yeah that's true that's true yeah. pr marketing yeah cra- crazy people at the top i know they could mean they have like storylines for 50 hours worth so they have like character arcs and things like that okay and i mean as you mentioned last night when we were talking about this and doing our pre-podcast discussion. Do these special effects for TV really have to be so much better than what we have? I mean, there's been a lot of really big sci-fi series in the last few years. And they've had sound followings. Yeah, and they've had decent special effects. Like, I don't think anybody would say that the special effects for, say, Battlestar Galactica sucked complete balls. So, I mean, really, if the characters are good and the plot is driven, the writing is good, then, you know, the special effects can have some leeway, some wiggle room. The The fans are going to follow the characters. The fans yeah. are going to fall in love with, hate, be obsessed with the characters. Yeah. Plus, I, I know I'm talking about movies here, but I don't think anybody disliked episodes one to three because of the special effects. <laughs> I don't think that's what people had a problem with. Oh, God. So. I know so many people that wanted to roast Jar Jar Binks on a spit. Not eat him, mind you, but... 
roast him on a spit. And for some reason, I think because of that, I've always felt sorry for the guy. Yeah, it's got to be hard to go around Hollywood with, you know, voice acting Jar Jar Binks on your resume. <laughs> but at the same time, like when Lucas comes to you and says says, you know, or your agent comes to you and says, you've been cast in a Star Wars movie as a voice actor. It's not something you can say no to. No, it isn't. It's kind of a, a catch-22 there. Yeah. As per the site Geeks Are Sexy in the text section, IBM takes an atomic approach to the hard drive. From what we understand, it takes about a million atoms to store a piece of data. And up till now, that data has either been a one or a zero. Mm-hmm. The whole binary, binary code. Yeah. IBM has found a way to do it with 12 atoms. This dramatically decreasing the space it takes to store computer data. Well, yeah. And I, as I should mention, I read this article, and part of it, I was still like, okay, smile and nod. I, I don't really understand this, but I will trust that the people who actually, you know, have done this thing actually understand what the hell is going on. I understand, understand the basic concept of... This stuff that used to take this amount of space yeah. to store now takes this amount of space to store. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm not really a tech head, but this does still seem pretty significant for yeah. anybody owning a computer these days. Well, and like once they can actually use this to produce like actual computers and stuff, yeah. it's obviously going to change like amazingly like how much processing power and how much memory your computer has. Now, the thing is that the experiment did happen at minus 272 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that's that, not exactly... That's the, not exactly the, room temp. Yeah, that's not exactly the, the normal operating temperature of your average computer. Mind you, they believe that at room temperature, instead of 12, you would be working between 100 to 150 atoms for the same thing. That's still not bad. Yeah, that's still a hell of a lot less than what we have right now. Reading here from the last paragraph of the article, there's been talk of Moore's Law being violated, which is a little misleading. In its purest form, the law holds that the number of transistors that can fit on a particular size of circuit will double every two years. That's largely proven accurate over the past 50 years. The concept has been adapted to other elements of computing, including hard drive capacity. Yeah, because it makes sense, because I know from other stuff I've read, like the more stuff you cram onto a chip, say a computer chip, you know, the hotter it runs. Yeah. And they have to find, you know, further and further ways to make to cram more stuff onto a single computer chip and still make it work and not have problems. Now that's my- still quite the... That's still quite an accomplishment. I mean, it's not going to affect our daily lives here and now or even in the next month to years. But that's still an accomplishment that's going to come into play within our lifetime. Yeah. And it's still a huge leap. I mean, even looking at past huge leaps in computers. I mean, what is it they say that, you know, the average, like, iPhone has more processing power than the computers they use to send someone to the moon? Yep. (laughs) And how many of us remember the computer screens that were black and green? Oh, God, I remember those. We had a Commodore 64 in my school library when I was in elementary school. And I bet you thought you were the hottest shit for, for being able to sit there, too. Well, we weren't. I was, like, pretty young, so they weren't, we weren't actually allowed to touch it. Oh. But <laughs> we did have, like, these black and gray sort of screens in our computer, in our classrooms after a while that mainly just had sort of educational-ish sort of games. I knew somebody who was a hacker on a Commodore 64. And don't anybody try and wiggle any information out of me. The person has since left this paradigm. Yeah, so it should be interesting to see where that goes. I mean, God only knows what technology they're going to come. I'm still waiting for the Dick Tracy watches with a little hologram sticking out of them a la the Jetsons. I want my flying, my flying cars, damn it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I want a flying car that folds up into a damn briefcase. Because then you don't <laughs> need a parking space. Actually, I really don't because 
people drive like crazy now. Can you imagine if they're driving in three dimensions? Bad enough in two. Yeah, well, that that is true. I still want a car that folds up into a briefcase. That would be nice. Either that or one of those little, like, holes that they have in Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> Yes. You just oh, toss in somewhere. What we saw, what we saw, we went to the movies last night. What we saw last night in the movies where, what is it, the new Ford, the new Ford cars that park themselves, like you take your hands yes. off the steering wheel, it senses the cars around it, and it park, parallel parks itself. Where was this when I needed it? Going to classes in downtown in a historic city and could not find a freaking place to park my car except between two cars that were left me like the sliver of space. Where was this car when I needed it? <laughs> I want to know how noticeable the thing is that is parking the car. Because, like, if you could leave your hands on it, then when you do your driver's test, you could kind of fake that you're actually doing the parallel parking. It's like, oh, yeah. La, 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 I'm doing la, this. La, and, okay, yep. And back in. And, okay, we're perfectly parallel parked. As long as there wasn't, you know, some sort of voice announcing that it was doing it, that might work. Okay, sorry. Anyway, yes. Yeah. Digression! Okay, moving from very techy stuff to very fantasy stuff. Um, Wizards of the Coast is actually looking for help in creating version 5 of Dungeons and Dragons. Because, you see, apparently version 4 was not exactly well-liked when it came out. So this time what they're doing is there's a place on the Wizards of the Coast website, which I will link because the link is, like, huge. I'll try and actually put it in the show notes that go in the Ravelry group, not just the, you know, the linky notes later but you can put your email address in and they're, what they're going to do is they're going to contact groups to do feedback as they sort of do drafts of version 5 so basically you know they would make up a draft of you know certain elements of the game or whatever give it to people people would play through it and give them back their fe- the feedback on it so that they can make something that hopefully fans will like more than the previous and a- version and actually play yeah and actually play instead of you know just being like screw it i'm using my version 3 or my own damn version yeah anyway. i'm making shit up i'm doing the calvin ball version of dungeons and dragons well let's face it that's how it that's what it usually dissolves into at 3 in the morning anyway yeah when you're hopped up on pizza and coke <laughs> as in coca cola uh, come on mountain dew sorry I'm thinking of the Roll of D6 music video. But yeah, so if you're interested in doing that, I'll put the, the link in the Ravelry show notes and the one that should be included with the podcast. So you can put your name in and maybe you will be one of the testers for Dungeons and Dragons. Plus five, knitting needles of speed. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know somebody who actually does, you send him your character and he'll actually draw up your character sheet, but he'll draw your character very cartoon. It yeah. is really fun style. I should ask him to do like a, a knitting assassin or something like that. That would be awesome. I'm gonna have to ask him to do that. <laughs> like a ninja with knitting and crochet needles. A ninja. K N I N J A. Okay, that's too good to pass up. I'm gonna have to try and do that. All right. Speaking of funky stuff, random little bit of trivia for anybody out there. If any of you out there that are listening is a redhead like me, you've had to deal with the ginger jokes. Gingers have no souls. Which is why we follow you and eat yours. Anyways, microscopic analysis of the roots of the hairs from the mummy of Ramesses II has concluded that he was a redhead and that he came thenceforth from a redheaded family. And in his reign... In his timeline in ancient Egypt, to have red hair, you were associated with the god Set, who was the slayer of Osiris, 
which everybody knows is, you know, the lord of the underworld. Set is not exactly the nice boy next door. Well, yeah, no, I would guess not. Yeah, he's the one that cut his brother up into a bunch of little pieces. So, um, so not only does this mean that gingers have no soul, we will cut you up to destroy you. <laughs> Should you stand in our path of world domination. So that's where the temper comes from. Yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> Anyways, random bit of trivia, Ramesses II was a redhead. Yay, long live the redheads, and may we reign <laughs> in royalty forever. Well, if I end up having to, you know, worship you or bow down to you, I have a couple things I could use for offerings that I found. Benedict in a kilt? No, I am keeping <laughs> him, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I was thinking more of the sweet variety. Oh, okay. I found there was a couple things that have popped up on various blogs that were posted on Instructables. One of which was an Instructable for how to make unicorn poop cookies. Say that again. <laughs> unicorn poop cookies. Basically, it's a sugar cookie, and what you do is split it into, like, about six or seven different batches and dye them with food coloring, and I think the person originally did, like, red, blue, yellow, purple, all very sort of bright rainbowy colors. You roll them out into thin little strips of each color and then you combine strips of each color and, and sort of twist them into a slightly turd-like shape. And then basically what you do is I think the original maker used an edible sort of glitter gel, rainbow colored dragees, good god, edible glitter, and little stars little candy stars, and basically you just, you when the cookies are done, you poke the dragees into the cookie, and you cover that crap with glitter and the stars until it is, like, so insanely spark sparkly and rainbowy. I really don't know what to say to this. I really don't. Yeah, it, it's, it's quite amazing, because these are, you practically go into a diabetic coma just looking at them. I think it goes back to what we expect food to look like and be like. And we were talking about this, I think, <laughs> yes. a little while ago. It's colorful, it's sparkly, it's sugary, but it's still in the shape of a poop. Yeah, there's the finished object. Oh my god. It oh, is so man. covered in glitter. Looks like These have to be seen to be believed, guys. Now they just need to make a rainbow bright vomit and we're all set. I'm sure that can be done. I'm sure it can be, too. Oh, I kind of, I really want to make these. I really want to make these. So that would be rather amusing for, for the next sort of potluck thing I have to do. Okay, so if unicorn poop cookies are not your thing, I also found one for Dalek cookies. Okay, Dalek cookies I think I can deal with. Dalek Oreos, to be precise. I can bite the head off of a Dalek. I can do that. One of the steps for making them. I'm looking at I'm looking at the article right now so I can show Maggie pictures. Why you one of the one of the steps is refrigerate. Refrigerate. Oh god. Basically what they are is you take a Oreo cookie and you make a cake pop, which is basically if you've never seen how to make cake pops before, you get cake mix and I think you add in like you bake it and you add in icing and you mush up the cake into like little teeny tiny crumbles and then you mix it with the icing so that it has a little bit of glue to hold it together and then you roll it into a ball. And in this case what you do is you push that ball of cake on top of the Oreo. Then you dip the whole thing in candy coating or chocolate, I'm sure you could do. And then using slivered almonds and chocolate covered pretzel and stuff, you create the Dalek features on the cookie. So you have Dalek cookies. I want to see this. Exterminate nom 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 is the title of the article at Geeks Are Sexy about these things. They are adorable, are they not? They are! And especially in this case, because the, the picture on Geeks Are Sexy, they're pink and purple by the look of it. Or red and blue, depending on the lighting. Okay, I'm sorry, that's adorable. Yeah, it looks like the person who made them 
made them for a Doctor Who Series 6 kickoff party. Yeah, Devil's Food Cake Balls with candy coating, chocolate-covered pretzel sticks, eyeball decorations purchased at a local bulk store, slivered almonds, and Oreo cookies. Aww. They are rather adorable. Okay, the instructions are actually on this person's Flickr page, so I will link to that. Yeah, she used red and purple. For the, for the colored candy wafer. And of course, step 12, after you have created them, is exterminate. Very good. <laughs> All you need is a sonic screwdriver that flips out a fork. That would be awesome. Or you could, have, you could just have a sonic screwdriver with a spork inside it. All right, I will see your cookies, and I will raise you pissed off Girl Scout. Well, apparently there is one particular Girl Scout who's very pissed off. And I know all of you are probably very familiar with this. One Girl Scout, and I believe she's in California, launches a cookie boycott campaign after the organization includes a transgender child. Yeah. She has launched a petition on YouTube because, to her opinion, the Girl Scouts describes itself as an all-girl experience. And it is an environment that is supposed to be nurturing and sensitive to girls' needs and to be safe for girls. The transgender child in question is seven years old in a Colorado troop. Mm -hmm. So what this young YouTuber has done is asked for a boycott of all of the Girl Scout cookies to show that you do not support the decision that Girl Scouts has made on accepting this child. Yeah. Now we try not to get political or do stuff that's too controversial, but I think... I can speak for a lot of people when I say I think this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, we we did have a little talk about whether or not to include this article. Yeah. But the fact is that there are human rights here. Yeah. There was a time when it was questionable whether to allow women into university, period, because they were women. Times are changing and people have to change with them. Now, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. What I do not like is when you try to enforce your opinion on into a mass hysteria. And I mean, one of the things this person has said is that it's by letting the transgendered, this girl, basically, this transgendered girl, because that's what she identifies as. That's what her parents see her as. Yes. So she is, as far as Girl Scouts is concerned, a girl. And as far as most other people should be concerned, a girl. You know, this... The person that's raising the stink about it has said it's no longer a safe space for girls. It's right. like, well, it's uh, uh, by uh, raising this issue, it's not really a safe space for this particular seven-year-old girl. Yes. How, how safe do you think this particular seven-year-old feels, feels now that you've raised this issue yeah. on international space? Like, Barring, like, how unsafe a place the world can be for other transgender people. The Girl Scouts of Colorado released this statement. If a child identifies as a girl and the child's family presents her as a girl... Girl Scouts of Colorado welcomes her as a Girl Scout. The troop accepted the child. The parents support the child. They are in Colorado. Let the child be. There has been... The person who complained even in Colorado? No, in California. Okay, yeah, so the girl who complained... If I'm right. Hold on a second. Let isn't me. even in... California-based team. Yeah, isn't even in the same state. Now, of course, the counter to this is... I, when I read this article on, oh no, they didn't political, there were quite a few people who were like, you know, I was going to buy a box of Girl Guide cookies. Now I'm buying four boxes of yeah, Girl Guide cookies. Yeah, a lot of people have said, you know what, I don't buy those cookies, but just for this this year, I'm going to buy a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. There has been a response to this, and I just found this just now, so I'm going to scan this over quickly. Girl Scout cookie boycott, Buck Angel transgender former scout, rebukes person's YouTube plea. I'm not including any names here. One former scout, however, 
who happens to be a transgender, is now speaking out in favor of Girl Scouts' all-encompassing policy. When I was growing up, I was a Girl Scout. I was born as a girl, but I always knew I was a guy. They accepted me into the Girl Scout troop, and everyone was loving and giving, and it was never an issue. I just wanted to give a shout to Girl Scouts for accepting transgender Girl Scouts into the Girl Scout groups. And they mean this, well, this may not technically be a geeky thing, but I mean, considering how often we've talked about portrayal of women and other minorities and things like that within geek culture, I'm sure something like this is something to keep in mind when dealing with geek culture as well. So I mean, like I said, this might not be like a truly geeky thing, it might not have to do with Star Wars or whatever, but you know, we have been vocal about the rights of freedom on the internet and gender issues, and and it is a rare thing, we'll discuss it outside of geek culture, but sometimes... (laughs) And also because if you haven't hadn't heard about this, and if this makes you want to buy more Girl Scout cookies, power to you. Go ahead. If you want to participate in the boycott, that's your okay decision. with us too. It's your decision. That's your decision. But personally, I would be buying more cookies. If I could find a way to smuggle them into Canada. I was going to say, we could probably order them through some knitters, I bet. Through a knitting network. Order a bunch of Girl Scout cookies. Mmm, Thin Mints. I was, I was going to say, you would want the mints, wouldn't you? Yes, Thin Mints. <laughs> we have our own Canadian version of Thin Mints, but I always miss the... For one, we don't have any Girl Guides in my neighborhood. And then this year, I found on the Girl Guide website, in case there's any other Canadians who really like Girl Guide cookies, on the Girl Guide website, they actually have something where they will show something about upco- upcoming cookie events... Right. In your city. So, like, if there's going to be Girl Scouts, or, I mean, Girl Guides, at a mall selling cookies, it will be listed on the website. Okay. Sadly, I've already missed the mint shipment, because that's in the fall. Duh. It's just the regular chocolate and vanilla coming up. Said from someone who remembers many, many years of walking around her neighborhood in February in those stupid little dresses <laughs> selling Girl Guide cookies. And actually thinking of women in the geek community. Apparently there's a new study that says that women are more likely to buy three out of the four top consumer electronics and are also a growing video game demographic. Big surprise. According to Wired Magazine, uh, Parks Associates asked 2,000 consumers ages 18 and older about their buying habits and the study was conducted in late 2011 and asked men and women which products they intend to buy before January 1st, 2012. Women expressed more interest in tablets laptops and smartphones and 18 percent of women said they were going to buy a tablet 20 percent laptops and 20 percent smartphones whereas only 15 percent of men planned to buy a tablet 14 were going to buy a laptop and 17 percent were going to to buy a smartphone the only category in which men surpassed women was flat screen lcd tvs which in some ways doesn't surprise me no it doesn't surprise me either. considering sports watching culture yeah <laughs> yeah and in that case it was 19 percent of men wanting to get TVs over other than women, which was 17%. Which, as the article mentions, is kind of a big thing because, of course, the tech industry has long been dominated by men. Yeah. You know, they mentioned that at the Consumer Electronics Show, a lot of the attendees and exhibitors are male, but that women are a major force in the actual household purchasing decisions. Right. And they also found, Parks Associates also found out that when women purchase a product, they engage more with the product, like, say, watching full-length movies online, downloading music, or uploading pictures to the internet than men are. So a lot more women are using that. They also looked at video gaming, and it said they said women are also playing gaming consoles more than were in previous years, especially Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. 54% of women surveyed are most interested in social gaming with multiplayers compared to 45% of men, which... You know, kind of makes sense. I'll agree with that. It's been, it's sort of, I'm not sure whether to classify it as stereotype or statistically accurate, because 
who only knows, but it does seem women are more socialized yeah. to women are more socialized do things with and, others and empathic. <laughs> yeah, and men, which is why um, studies have shown that women do better in the English language, literature, psychology sort of aspects mm-hmm. of of studies. And men, it's just the way that the brains are hardwired, according to studies by some people with long, strokey beards and you know lab coats. Yeah, though it's you know in some cases I would guess it, I would guess it's hard to tell whether they're women or actually hardwired for it or what depends on our socialization too but i know um, i like i yeah. like to play games to do that whole decompression thing when yeah. i'm really ah uh, bad day frustrated nothing's going right i'm gonna like just i call it killing brain cells yeah i just got to do that for a little while and then you know then i don't have to kill the husband and you know, the <laughs> offspring and you know i don't have to blow holes through the, the walls and stuff like that it says, in addition, females are 40% more likely to play games on Facebook. Uh, how much time do I spend playing Castleville again? They also mentioned that uh, the most popular tech item purchased from the Home Shopping Network is a purple scanner, though they don't have a breakdown of who purchased it. Purple then, scanner? Yeah, Just purple. the fact that it's purple? Thankfully, in the article, they don't actually say... Well, of course, it's the original article is through Jezebel and then okay. Mary Sue. Okay. So, of course, they're not going to say, like, of course, it's purple. Girls like purple. But, I mean, it is sort of a thing that technology isn't just about, like, the black, white, and gray yeah. anymore. You know, I admit, when I'm looking at techie stuff, when I've bought stuff for my computer, my portable hard drive isn't black, white, or gray. It's teal. My laptop is teal, actually, though I didn't actually choose that. Okay. I had to get it shipped from another store. I didn't know what color it was going to be. And then I opened the box and it was teal. It chose you. Yeah, the cover was teal. I'm like, that is obviously... I mean, so... It's the packaging. It's the packaging. Now, hopefully they won't go with a full on, oh, let's make them look super girly so women will buy them, unlike certain companies, Lego. But, you know, like, it would be nice if more... I think tech companies are starting to get that because, I mean, obviously it started back with the iMac when they offered, like, the, the candy-colored... Yeah, I remember. Computers way the back Tangerine when. and Blueberry and... But, I mean, it would be... I would be more drawn to a laptop or something that was... That was fun looking. A color. Yeah. Rather than just black or... Not Darth Vader black or Stormtrooper white, is what you're saying? Yeah, or oatmeal. Or Jedi oatmeal. Yeah. Now we know what Jedis have for breakfast. But, yeah, I mean, so it's interesting to see... About that color thing. As I said, I just hope that doesn't mean like, oh, let's make this pink so women will buy it. So long as you put a black skull on it, that's fine. True. And I mean, obviously, I would consider buying a pink thing. It's just more like, it seems to be that it's girly. Pink is girly. I, and I have a trivia fact to counter that. A la QI, because it's my favorite show in the world now. Yes. Up and It's only been blue for boys and pink for girls up until about the 19, early 1900s. Before that, it was the reverse. It was seen that... Yeah. Light blue was a feminine... Yeah, was a female thing. Was a female thing, and pink was more of a male thing, because it was associated with the strong color of red. Yeah, red meant, you know, strength and blood and battle and... gore and... and... Blue was purity and innocence and... Yeah, so... All those sorts of things. Don't nobody tell you that pink is too girly, sissy, whatever, because there are probably a bunch of ancient Greek warriors that'll come and kick your ass while they're wearing pink underwear. Okay, and finally, just a little thing, because we have something to add to our spoilery discussion of Sherlock last week. Sherlock Holmes, I should say, Game of Shadows, because we really have to, you know... We have to differentiate. Be clear right which now. one we're talking about. So last week we had spoilery discussion of Game of Shadows. There might be some spoilers coming up right now. So again, I will put the time code in when it's safe to come back. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Last night Maggie and I went to see Game of Shadows and loved it. 
<laughs> I told you it was good. I loved it, and I felt like having a cigarette afterwards. And I'm sorry what made it for me. I mean, a, a lot of things were really good about it. But Stephen Fry as Mycroft? Yes. Perfect oh my casting. God. Perfect. Just sort of put that one over the top. Yeah, and the the buff nude scene is stark hilarious. Very stark. Very stark hilarious. As the Starkers. Yes. <laughs> and I think that was the moment that got the biggest reaction from you in the movie. I know. I, I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> and he's so he's carrying on this morning conversation with. Mrs. Watson, as if, oh, very nice, I see that you're out, would you care for some tea or some coffee? And, and he's stark naked! You and see butt crack! You do, you do, actually. It's not like you can be wearing nude undies that they just, you know, blur the edge of. No, you no, see butt. No, no, and you see, like, the bottom of the, the gut you, area. You, yeah. So, like, there's no way he was wearing anything. If he was wearing anything, it would have been very uncomfortable and had to be suspended in sort of, like, anti-gravity. And, and the, the other hilarious part about it is that Mrs. Watson is doing everything she can to maintain her integrity and not look at him. Yes. And, you know, now I'm imagining, you know, she probably didn't have to act very much. For that scene. Maybe not, no. And I'm... I mean, I'm sure, and especially, too, for the character, I mean, for Mrs. Watson, I'm sure that's not the naked, naked man she was expecting to see on her honeymoon. And they had probably, just for the different camera angles and lighting, they probably had to shoot that scene at least, you know, what, five to eight times? Well, yes, minimum. especially for certain angles. Angles, camera because angles, Because they, they have to make very careful, they have to very carefully block out that scene. Yes. So that from certain angles, one does not see things. That there are things on his desk or something that, that block certain views. Yeah. At, at any time that Mycroft showed up, his his snobbery and self-importance was just so hilarious. And e even to the point where, okay, somebody, you protect the Prime Minister, and he's just blasé about it. Mm -hmm. It was fabulous! And speaking of the ending... Yeah, well... You were saying that... Your heart was in your throat oh my God, the entire it was. time. It was, at, at least for the last third of the movie, when things really started going splody all over the place. Yeah. My heart was actually climbing up through my esophagus and was sort of lodged somewhere around, you know, my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm literally, my, my knees are bouncing, and I'm just like, come on, come on, come on! Show me, ah! Yeah, the ending is very tense. No, it, it yeah it was it was very good. Even if you like, I I knew it was gonna happen because of you know reading the stories and stuff. And yeah. even then, like I was still like edge of my seat, like oh my god, what's going? How are they going to do this? Yeah, I know. I, or, oh shit, I know what's coming. I've read I read the stories as well and could see where it was going. Mm -hmm. I will be honest, the split second. Before Watson opened that la that package that gets to his desk, yes. I knew what it was, <laughs> and, I, and I I saw it and like minds just ideas flipping over one another, and I could see the same thing. This rolodex of possibilities flipping through his head. Yeah, it's just brilliant. I know, just brilliant. Ah, <sighs> okay. But okay. yeah, so we can definitely endorse that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you would, and, and it has knit, hand knit wear in it. Too. Yes! <laughs> there is a hand knit scarf that features in yes. the movie. And Watson it's, has a hand knit scarf from Mary. From Mary. And One of her 
earlier attempts, as Sherlock says. Yes, he 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 addresses it as hideous. <laughs> and poor Mary. When the well, Sh- Sherlock would say such a thing. Yeah. Whether it could be made out of cashmere, and Sherlock would still say it. Yeah. Because he's just not happy that his bro. Yeah. Is getting married. But the his BFF. You know, the funny thing is, is that at one point, Watson is, you know, all of his possessions are just being stripped off of him in, in a mocking way. His, his jacket's gone, his his whatever's gone, his that's gone, and then they take his scarf and the guy gets a punch straight to the nose. <laughs> I'm like, yes! That's what hand knitwear does. Yes. I, I should think, I think that makes Watson very knitworthy. Yes, knit-worthy. he does. Which is why, in the modern day version, he gets a fantastic sweater. Yes. Okay, enough of Geek Squee. Moving into Cravings, Covets, and Crashes. Speaking of worthy. Oh, hello. Brought it up on the laptop. Hot guys in period costume. This is a Tumblr. And it's at vintagedudes.tumblr.com. And of course, as Karen found out when, you know, of course she had to see the link just to preview whether or not it was of Knit One Geek 2 quality standards. Preview as in a 20 minute keep flipping back preview. There there are Tumblr's, Tumblr rabbit holes that will just spiral off of this, but... Yeah. The whole idea is that Ooh, it's a collection of movie stills. Some of them are obviously more worthy than others. Yes. It's a collection of movie stills and some promo shots of well-known actors. Colin Firth and Babyface. Yes. Babyface Colin Firth. Well-known actors in period costume. Sometimes it's not quite period. Like, I think there's a there's a picture in there of David Tennant, and the... <laughs> yes, and the caption of it is, It's, it's a, period a period chair. chair. <laughs> yeah, David Tennant's in, like, blue jeans and whatever, but what the fuck, it's David Tennant, and it's a period chair. It counts. And there's Sherlock and Watson. Yes, if you if you enjoy costume dramas and men in period clothing, yeah, this is, this is definitely for you. Sadly, any of our, our straight male... Or lesbian female listeners are, are kind of left out on this one, but I'm sure somewhere you can find lots of pictures of women in well, a period lot, clothing. A, there are a lot of pictures in here of couples. Yeah, actually, you'd have to scroll past the the, sing, the pictures of single dudes. <laughs> the Star Trek oh, one. Jesus, this is the Star Trek episode where everybody's in admiral wear. It looks yeah, like. Napoleonic British naval costume. This was, I saw that and I just basically lost my shit for like five minutes. Oh, geez. Especially with Riker's pose. It's like, God, could he have a wider stance? Could he be drawing more attention to his junk? Yes, he can, actually. He could paint a circle around it. Though the the picture that made you laugh quite a bit was a very old... There it is. There it is. Oh, my God. I showed this picture to Maggie. And for a minute, I was like, Maggie, who is this? And I'm looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and I'm going... Okay, yeah, there are features about the face that are familiar, but the hair and the stance and nothing's coming, nothing's coming, nothing's coming, and then Karen goes ahead and says... It's Inspector Lestrade. And then my mind just explodes and splits in half. From BBC Sherlock. Oh my god, it's Inspector Lestrade in period wear. Yeah, it looks like Regency or Victorian. dark curly mop of hair. Yeah, he's... Rupert Graves, hello. Though I kind of like the salt and pepper thing he's got going on now. But yes, you... This is one of those things where you will probably fall down the Tumblr hole if you enjoy this sort of thing. That was the vintagedudes.tumblr.com. Okay, now moving on before I get too distracted. Okay. Recently I have found a podcast which I have been listening to all the time. I have 
fallen behind on quite a few other podcasts because I keep listening to this one. Um, it's called Down in Front. You can find it at downinfront.net. And basically it's a group of guys that do commentaries for movies. Now, all these guys work in sort of the film industry. Right. Which means that they do a lot of talking. A lot of them work in, like, visual effects. So they talk a lot about, like, how various visual effects are done or how well they're integrated into the movie. They talk a lot about what they've researched about the making of the mo- about that movie. They also talk a lot about, like, you know, why they like a movie or not. Like, I was listening to the, the Iron Man and Iron Man 2 podcasts a couple days ago. And so mm-hmm. some of them were, like, big fanboys. For the first one and not such big fans of the second one. So it's really fascinating to listen to them talking about the movies. They talk a lot about story and, you know, even just the process of, like, film writing and filmmaking. And it's really interesting. One of the things I really like is that they talk almost constantly. So, yes, you can listen to them doing the commentary as you watch the movie. That's sort of the way it's intended to do. That's the way they record it. And when they record it, they actually have a live chat that you can participate in so you can watch along with them and, you know, chat as well as listen to the the commentary that they're doing. But I also like them for traveling around on the bus because they're always saying something. There's no really big gaps of dead air where I'm like, okay, somebody please say something. And as I was mentioning to Maggie the other day, now that I'm listening to this commentary, there are so many movies I really want to rewatch. There was actually one I was listening I was listening to the commentary for, and I'm like, I don't have that movie on DVD yet. I think I'm going to buy that movie. <laughs> and I did. And James Cameron's The Abyss, which, you know, I was able to get for like eight bucks at HMV. And which was really interesting listening to, because one of the guys, most of the guys are like about our age. Okay. You know, late tw- 20s, early 30s, about there. There's one guy who's been... We'll say he's been in the industry a lot longer. One of the things he's... He's worked with a lot of people, major people in the business. A company that he worked for actually made a proposal to Steven Spielberg to do the dinosaurs for Jurassic Park. And he actually worked on James Cameron's The Abyss. Cool. Which has... Which I have... Which I really enjoyed. I just haven't seen it in a long time. So now having listened to him talking about the times that he was on set, about the making of the movie, I'm like, I really want to watch that movie again. What's some of the recent movies that they've talked about? They've had a little hiatus for the last couple of weeks for the holidays. Now they're doing they're doing a big run-up to their third anniversary. I think Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Wrath of Khan, just came out. I think they're doing Batman Begins and a couple other movies. They have the schedule up on their website so you can see what they're doing. And then I think around the time of their third anniversary, they're going to do the Lord of the Rings movies. Wow. I think they said they're actually going to do it as a marathon. What? Yes. Jeebus, I hope somebody brings them food. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they, they will, they'll have to have food ordered yeah. in. While, while they're... While they're live tweeting, hey, can somebody sort of, like, order us pizza? We're starving. Yeah. Because I forget if they said if they're doing the extended editions. Damn. That's 12 hours. Yeah. Not including, like, whatever little discussion they do in between. Or, you know, ordering pizza in between movies. That's, that's like a conscious day of nothing but Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But they also make lots of jokes and things like that. The way they describe it is that it's like having, you know, an audio commentary, but with four friends in your head. Now, I should mention one thing is that, like, occasionally they'll say something and I'll just be like, really? You went there? (laughs) Or you had to say that? Like, a couple of the guys are a little occasionally too fond of the term retarded, which can be an issue for some people. So I'll warn you in advance, these guys can occasionally not be the most PC, politically correct okay. people. If that is likely to piss you off, okay, you know, maybe you shouldn't listen to it. But, you know, I would suggest at least giving it a try. It's not 
often from what I've heard, and I've listened to quite a few commentaries by now. But, you know, give it a try and see. Most of the time, I am just sitting on the bus and listening to them talk and trying not to laugh out loud. And one final little thing for all the geeks out there, the Doctor Who geeks. If you go to Neato Shop, N-E-A-T-O-S-H-O-P dot com, it is the shop associated with the, the Neatorama blog which is one of the blogs that I check fairly regularly to look for geeky things. They have a lot of really cool stuff there. It's kind of like Think Geek in that aspect. But one of the things they have that I thought people might be interested in is they have a TARDIS cookie jar, and it lights up and makes noises when you lift off the lid! Now see, that to me is the kick. That to me is the clincher. The, <laughs> it makes noises. The lights and the noises are the clincher. <laughs> so, yeah, it's basically, as they say in the description, sadly, it's not bigger on the inside. We could store all of those Girl Guide cookies in <laughs> <laughs> The Dalek cookies! You could put the Dalek cookies yeah, inside! Oh. oh no, Daleks have invaded the TARDIS! It is up to you to kill Do them all! Like, Exterminate! Exterminate! Nom nom nom! nom Exterminate! Nom. Exterminom! I don't really watch Doctor Who, or I, like I haven't really watched Doctor Who yet, I should say. It's not that I have seen a lot of episodes and it's not for me. I haven't seen a lot of it. But even I want this cookie jar. Like, this cookie jar looks awesome! Do you remember that cake topper I showed you? I think it was yesterday. Yes! Oh my god, Pinterest. the TARDIS cake topper! Yeah, everybody's seen the, <laughs> the, cake, the wedding cake topper of the bride dragging the groom by his collar as he's, you know pseudo getting getting taken to his ceremony or whatever yeah which well, I, I really hate by the way but anyway <laughs> this one is a bride and groom sort of hand in hand walking into a tardis as a cake that topper that is awesome that is very cool and it makes me kind of want to just dream up a doctor who themed wedding oh my god it just does oh my god people could raise their make an arch of their sonic screwdrivers as the bride and the groom come out and have a, little, a little faux Dalek attack. I'm sorry, angels, but you're not on the guest list. You can't come in. <laughs> oh, God. I have heard about those things, and no. I've heard no. that, too, yeah. I'm sorry, you can't come into the reception. You're not on the guest list. Okay, everybody, I think that's it for us. Yeah, I think that's it for this week. Time to warm up a little more before we make the cold dash out to the car. I guess we take what we, ta what we get, so... Yeah, more yarn, more warm things yes. to battle off the winter cold. But you and I shall make a an order tonight. Yes, we shall. Okay, we got, we got serious business to do, so we'll see you guys later. Yep, have a good week, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar for our microphone fund, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1, G-E-E-K, .mt-pockets.org. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek Two. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com/knitonegeek2. Have a good week, everybody. Hi, everyone. It's January fourteenth, two thousand twelve, and you're li listening. The cut. Take two. I should have reread the article last night. <clears throat> well, you could bring it up. That's true. I'm glad you have a working brain, because I don't. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I can't just be the beauty of the show. <laughs>